Lions fans and city of Detroit. When we're on 16, you never stop showing up. You're disappointed, but you never stop showing up. Every week you showed up. And this motivated me to do the same thing for you. I want you to know, Michigan is our home. Detroit is our city. Lions fans are our pride. Welcome back to the Around the League podcast. We are now previewing the Detroit Lions, and I've got the guys here from Lion Up. We got Andrew, Matt, James. What's up, fellas? How are we doing? Doing good. What's going Another on? season, ready to do it. Let's do it. Thanks for jumping on, fellas. Uh, so, like I said, these guys host the Lion Up uh, podcast. If you haven't listened to them, go check them out. Uh, great listen, a lot of fun to listen to, a lot of good Lions content over there. You can find them at Pod on Twitter, and you can find them on our website, too, if you want to find their show there, rosterupmedia.com slash lineup. But honestly, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. So uh, what we've been doing with these uh, team previews is kind of giving a quick 2021 in review, um, kind of touch on the offseason, then we kind of want to look ahead and focus on 2022 and kind of let these guys um, kind of give you their thoughts on where they think their team sits and kind of what things look like for for uh, uh, the Detroit Lions heading into the 2022 season. So uh, let's kick it off with last year. So obviously Stafford was gone. Jared Goff came over. He got a new coaching regime. Uh, a couple things that I thought uh, that was really positive to see out of you guys was it was just a complete culture shift. Uh, you guys seem to be a very tough competitive team. Yes, you went three and 13, but you were truly competitive on all those games. One stat that stuck out to me that kind of showed that the the team consistently showed up was even though you guys were an underdog in each game, you're able to cover in over 65% of those games, which was actually best of the bottom five teams in the league. That's not necessarily a metric that you always want to hear, but at the same time, to me, that tells me, hey, Dan Campbell has buy-in from his players. There is a culture shift going on, which kind of sets the tone as you move into the offseason and go into a year such as this. So kind of, uh, James, I'll kind of toss it over to you first, and you can uh, – uh, shifted over to Matt and Andrew, but kind of what were your thoughts just on 2021 as you kind of review that campaign? Yes, it was a tough season, but I was a big fan of just the overall competitiveness and what the organization kind of seemed to bring to the table with Dan Campbell at the helm. Well, if you followed us along our very long, cold journey last year, uh, <laughs> it was definitely a very painful season for <laughs> to say the least. Um, but I mean, it, exactly what you said before and the fact that our change i mean our season completely you know turned for the best starting december uh really says everything about the culture the buy-in um about this team and realistically i think 99 percent of the nfl if you're having that record from thanksgiving you're, you're ready to book your vacation for the caribbean you know um 
him, you know, getting involved with the offense uh, a little more intimate, uh, you know, holding a different type of practice than, you know, the higher speeches, the more motivated speeches, whatever it was that, you know, that triggered the spark of these guys. Um, it, it said everything about, you know, what he means to this team and, you know, the buying. And I mean, it, it still is in effect today. I mean, hard knocks, not to jump the gun on anything, but, you know, we're seeing the passion and the hype that we have from this coach. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool that we're actually in a pretty hyped up uh, place right now, uh, considering we went through 13 and one last year. So, um, yeah, I'm ready to move past what we went through last year. I think uh, we've done a lot to, to improve. Um, and again, I think that coaching staff is, is ready to really, you know, uh, put a dent in to the season. Yeah, and I, I think we had quite a whirlwind of emotions last year from the preseason thinking that, you know, could we repeat as having zero wins in a season and then going through the first 10 weeks or so, still not getting that first win, thinking, you know, was this the right move at head coach, but still being in games, losing by 65-yard field goals, things like that, you know, even though it wasn't a season to remember in the winning standpoint, I think we definitely enjoyed watching a lot of those football games, which really is, you know, why you tune in every Sunday. Um, and then by the end of the season, seeing some wins, seeing the guys stick with the coach, really believing in them and not giving up, uh, that really led into the offseason, making some free agent signings. And I think the difference in the fans' perspective in the last 12 to 15 months could not be more different. I think it was a lot of hesitation, afraid of, is this the right guy and the right leader to have leading this organization? to now we're ready to go. We're ready to see that next step. You know, can we get to, instead of just having a few wins, can we get to contending for a wild card spot for a division? I think a lot of us are jumping a gun in a way. We're ready to go. We're seeing these, these pump up speeches, hard knocks, like James just said. Um, but I think a lot of Lions fans are really excited for the season and for the next few seasons, because hopefully the other teams in our division are not going to be as strong going forward. You know, maybe Aaron Rodgers retires, things like that. And maybe this is a window that we can have in the next few years to to really shine. And uh, I think a lot of Lions fans are really excited about it. Yeah, I think James and Drew hit it on the head. I think, you know, last year we there were two or three games that can come to mind. You know, the Steelers game, the Ravens game at home um, with Tucker kicking that, you know, record field goal. And that Falcons game where we had Tim Boyle playing quarterback. And, you know, had Jared Goff got hurt last year, too, with the knee. So if some of the things go our way, we may have four or five, maybe even six ones last year. We were in a lot of games, you know, and I think the most encouraging side was we had a lot of young talent out there and, you know, we bring a, a bulk of that young talent back and then some this year. So bring on guys like Chris Ford, Mike Hughes, you know, one-year deal guys who can kind of be a glorified tryout. So this is their year to shine and they can bring a good product to the field. They can stick around a little bit longer. Um, so a lot to look forward to looking to build up what we did last year and um, tons of excitement brewing in, in Motown. Yeah, and just just one thing to add. I mean, just going back to our podcast that I look at the sub, the, the captions of each pod from last year, we got so unlucky. We we really did. I mean, you look at the Ravens game there. Two weeks later, the Vikings hit a hit a fifty plus field goal as well. So we were like the first team in NFL history to lose on two like buzzer beater fifty yard field goals and deeper. So I mean, like it changed the whole outlook of the season. And I mean, you would think just from having those two, you know, crippling losses to end, uh, to, you know, end September and early October that you just, you know, 
you, you're thrown in the towel already. And I mean, and here we are, and we have a completely different outlook for this year. So I mean, it says a lot. I would agree there. And, you know, something that was interesting uh, for you guys last year as well is that you did play the fourth toughest schedule overall. And kind of before we shift into offseason additions, I am going to throw you guys a curveball in just a moment. So I want you to kind of get give me your favorite offseason edition um, as we go around the horn, because I want the people to kind of hear that. And obviously, you kind of mentioned some of your previous shows. A lot of people are going to be able to go back, um, check them out. I'll have the previous shows linked where you guys talked about things like offseason editions and everything back in May, including a couple of shows over the summer. But to your point about some of those tough losses, um, I do remember the Justin Tucker one. I think we almost lost Matt there forever um, as, as a co-host there. I was actually concerned, not just about his fandom, but his emotional and physical well-being as a human. Matt, I'm glad to see you could smile that one off and move into 2022. Uh, there, was, there was a lot thrown out. I'm pretty sure you guys were literally going to record after the game, and then it just didn't happen. It was like, there's just like some going out of the group chat. I can't do it. I can't record. Forget it. Um, but honestly, you guys were very competitive against some tough teams. Fourth toughest schedule overall. That was brutal what you guys had to play, opening up 0-8 with the new coaching staff. Um, and honestly, a team that just needed to desperately add talent, but you still kept showing up and had a pretty strong uh, December as well. So that was really great to see um, in terms of finishing the season. I kind of love that Dan Campbell said, screw it. Like he was trying to win until the end. He wasn't looking to just get the number one draft pick. I know like some years when you maybe have a Trevor Lawrence there, you really want it, but you didn't really have that quarterback this year. And it was like, you know what, screw it. Let's just have feet, let that culture feed in uh to the organization, that winning culture, and I compete until the end. And I really like that out of him. So as you kind of transitioned into the offseason, obviously there's a lot of pieces you guys got to add. There's some players you got to resign, some players you got to get, but also there's a lot you got to add through the draft. So I want you guys to kind of give me uh, your favorite offseason addition. Uh, James, I'll start with you again, and then uh, you can kind of toss it down the line. Just let me know your favorite offseason addition for the Lions and maybe the impact you're expecting out of it going into 2022. So not a re-signing will count, right? <laughs> every signing. Every signing was your favorite signing? No, no. I mean, the, the reason I ask is a re-sign versus a sign. Because I, I Oh, I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So either one. Wanna... Either one. Right, so, uh, yeah, so I don't think either of you guys are going to take this answer. So I, I'm going to say Tracy Walker. So uh, 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 a safety who, you know, we, we took a bet on in the draft. Um, quite a few years ago, played his heart out, probably had multiple other promising lucrative offers, and he stayed here after what we went through last year. Um, I've always been a fan of him. Um, you know, I think him being in that safety spot, uh, just with our young, uh, developing secondary, um, you know, he wants to be that captain, you know, for, for the deep ball, uh, just for, the, you know, that hawk on the field. And I think that's going to play, you know, and reap all the benefits this year just for him being back. Um, again, three-year, $25 million deal. I think he probably could have gotten into the you know mid to high 30s even for, for a contract if he went elsewhere. Um, but again, just to, to, to sort of <laughs> obsess over the culture and what we're building here, you know, he was sold. He was locked in. He, he, he committed. He believed to all of that. And, and again, I think he had a very productive year last year. And, you know, I'm excited for him to be back and sort of be that, that next level leader, you know, for the young staff. The secondary is um, definitely a question mark right now. So to have that presence, I think it's a huge win for us. And, and, and it might be, in my opinion, the biggest uh, return. 
Yeah, I think for me, there's two that stand out. The first one for me is is Charles Harris on the edge. Um, great year last year for us, seven and a half sacks. Um, it's it's great to have that kind of depth coming back now. We got both the both the Arc War Bros coming back healthy, and we got Hutch on the end too. So, um, getting him back on a two year deal was 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 great to see right out of the gate. Um, you know, and you know, as James and Drew have heard me harp on endlessly um the guy that i'm really excited for is malcolm rodriguez this year at linebacker i'm really excited to see what he can do um pretty good preseason game game one uh got a shout out from coach campbell you know at, at press conference after the game and you know he has a player that stood out during that first preseason preseason game with the falcons so um with our shallow linebacking core it's important for a guy like him to step into the limelight a little bit and and make an impact so those are the two that come to mind right out of the gate yeah, for me, it wasn't really one specific player. I think, I mean, DJ Chark might stand out to me because I really wanted to see us improve the weapons for Jared Goff. Yes. Um, but for me, it's seeing that 13 players that we had last year re-sign. You know, they had the opportunity to go somewhere else. They really liked what we were building. Uh, we only had Jalen Reese, Maven leave. Really, that was uh, more of an impact player. We cut Trey Flowers, so, you know, good luck to him. A, a couple guys signed with the Falcons and the Giants. Not really huge big time players for us, but to see a large majority of all the guys that we had wanting to come back and showing that they want to be with us, that's what stood out to me. And hopefully they could take that next step, whether they were early guys or young guys, veterans, whatever it is. Um, can you take that next step, make us win uh, and contribute, you know, seeing all those guys wanting to be there, whether it's for Dan Campbell, you know, to play with the younger guys, whatever it is, be a veteran presence. Uh, I think that's what stood out to me the most, along with the draft picks that we had. But that could be a separate conversation. Yeah, Andrew, good. Uh, I, I'm with you on that. And I mean, if you really break down the, the true non-line additions, you have to sort of go down the list. And there's no one that we've really got outside of Shark that probably had that many offers. When you actually look at the actual deal at the end of the day, you got guys doing one-year deals, yes, they're short-term. I'm actually all about that, just in case they don't work out. But at the end of the day, you're getting guys for you know exactly one million, one change, just under two, three flats. So I mean, you aren't technically getting anyone that has been like a, a stud or even like an, a rising star in a way. Um, but we're taking shots on guys who you know fit our scheme. Uh, maybe came off an injury that, you know, had a very promising end to 2021. So, you know, I think that's the, the, the way we, we had to approach that. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, coaching can't be a, the hundred percent reason why people want to play in, in Detroit. I mean, we need to, you know, bring dubs at the end of the day. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So other than that, that's why I think it was, it's, it's tough to, to really pick a, a sole standout for any addition. So, I mean, if we were going by non-lines, I, I would say Shark again. Uh, really, you know, widen the offense out in the field and just give, you know, all our uh, wide receivers a few more confidence have and options for golf. Well, let's stick I with think the Jared wide receivers. Davis also goes with that, too. Sorry to jump in, Cody. Yeah. But oh, you're good. You're good. Yeah, Jared Davis coming back after going to the Jets for a year. I think that shows, like, not to say he's going to be the biggest impact player, but, you know, he, he left Detroit, wasn't really the first round pick that we expected. And now, you know, maybe the coaching change is going to help him, whatever it is, athletic guy, loved in the locker room back when he was with us. Maybe it pans out the second time around. So seeing stuff like that has been really cool so far in the offseason. So I want to kind of go back to the wide receivers a little bit as we, this is going to kind of uh, 
segue us into 2022. So you mentioned DJ Chark, right? I uh, signed that one-year deal to Matt's point. Uh, some of these guys are on glorified tryouts. I think that's a great way to say it. They're, uh, keeps the lines liquid long-term as you go into future off seasons. I do like that about them, but looking at this season, you guys have added Jamison Williams. He's obviously got to get healthy. You've added DJ Chark to kind of compliment Amonra St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, and uh, to an extent, uh, DeAndre Swift uh, in the backfield as well. I do like adding some weapons. DJ Chark seems like that type of receiver where he needs to be a secondary option. He just did not thrive no, no one thrived in Jacksonville. It's Jacksonville, right? So <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know how you uh, could. Was, that yeah. was uh, that, that's a nightmare situation to begin with. But he was the focal point. He couldn't stay healthy as well. That's a separate issue. Um, but he was a focal point of defenses, and I do think that harmed him. If he can kind of be that secondary option, almost like Corey Davis seems to thrive when he was in Tennessee, and sometimes when he's a secondary option, he really, really pops. I do think that could be beneficial for a chart to be able to stretch the field. Super, super athletic. Just felt like he underachieved in Jacksonville, but you know, some of that's probably on him, but some of that is also going to be on Jacksonville. I am excited for what the receiving core for some of the upgrades, because honestly, last year it was until St. Brown hit, it was – uh, the worst receiving core in the league. They just, some of the guys, you know, you're even looking at it from like a, a fantasy football perspective. You're like, I don't even know who to pick up if I was picking up someone, but now there's actual, you know, there's some names there, but um, how is that going to impact golf? Right. So you're kind of looking at a guy who uh, we know he has a certain ceiling. We know he's a little limited, but they are trying to give him some weapons to at least potentially increase uh, his upside. So that second half of last year, that pass offense went from a bottom two in terms of pass efficiency to then top 10. Uh, once uh, they kind of switched up the offense following the exodus of Anthony Lynn. Now that you've added these weapons, yes, like I said, you know, your uh, young receiver has to get healthy. What are your expectations out of golf and out of this receiving core now that it really has kind of been significantly upgraded? Alan's one. Um, I, 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 we, we, so promoting Ben Johnson's offensive coordinator, uh, tight ends coach, uh, I think was the right move. Um, was able to go through the ups and downs of this team last year. Uh, knows very well what was working and what wasn't working. Um, very much so due to Dan Campbell. And I think you're going to see on TV this year that they're going to be standing side by side on every play call. Um, mm-hmm. And it's obvious that Goff became a different player when, uh, you know, DC started, you know, making these calls. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure. I mean, Goff has never been that QB who's going to get you 35 plus touchdowns. I mean, I think just again, talking about, you know, our talk from last week, uh, we were just reminiscing over, how we got shut out in the first half last year, I think maybe, not 11, I think that's dramatic, but like seven or eight, that's really bad. So, I mean, we really struggled getting the end zone last year. And um, even at the end of the year, we had a few games that we actually, you know, took off early, but um, we, you know, just looking at how our our depth chart is developed now, and I think we're getting a really good feel for, you know, where everyone excels in the offense, Um, just from seeing it last Friday, against the Falcons. I tweeted that was literally the best offensive drive from start to finish that I've seen in six years, even with Stafford. It was so crisp. The play calling kept you off guard. Um, because again, I love football, but I should never be predicting what play is coming next from my couch in my house. 
So, <laughs> you know, and I think that's something as Lions fans with Jim Bob Cooter and God knows whoever else, you know, went through that position. They allowed us to guess from the couch. So I can only imagine how the defense was just crumbling that up. So um, I, I'm excited for what they're going to do this year. I really am. And I, and I think they're figuring out. Yeah, going back to the receiving core that you mentioned, um, I think probably from the start of bringing Jared Goff in, they knew that they had to surround him with a lot of talent in order to let him succeed. And I think this is the year that we really get to see if he's the guy of the future, the guy we want to extend and keep on a high money deal, or if we need to cut ties with him, move on and look for another solution there. Um, I think that going into last year, like Khalif Raymond, yeah, he was you know, a solid uh, but either, and also a guy like TJ Hawkinson, who we really like as a podcast, you know, feel like most fans do, along with Swift and uh, Williams out of the backfield. Those are the pieces that you need to see for Jared Goff to be successful. Um, so I think this is the make or break year where all the talent is there. And if he can take advantage of it, maybe we can make a little bit of a run. And if not, I think you got to look yourself in the mirror a little bit and say, this might not be the guy we need to look. We got who can attack the field in all three layers, deep, midfield, and underneath game. Um, we have depth. Um, we're going to have to really button down the hatches here. Coaches are going to have to button down the hatches and make some roster cuts this year. For wide receivers are going to be tough at a camp, I think, because um, there's a lot of talent there, truthfully. And there's going to be guys during the preseason who are going to perform really well. And it, it's going to come down to some good decisions, good hard decisions. And um, – you know, like like you guys said before, it's going to be Jared Goff's year to put up or shut up. And if he doesn't, he, he may have to unfortunately pack his bags because the weapons are there, the talents there, um, should be able to attack the field in all all three phases in terms of passing. And um, if the running game even holds up a little bit, our offense can be or pre, be pretty potent. It just depends on him playing well and, and making the right decisions when he's out there. I would agree, and. Uh... I know, I know we talked about that a good bit last year. Like, you know, honestly, I, I can't expect Goff to end up being the guy, but you guys are at least for the future. If you did have a young quarterback coming in, you do have some talent around him. Like you see some of these teams that add young talent, they then have to build around them, whereas you guys are kind of in the opposite situation. I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out long-term with a lot of talent, talented, um, investable assets. Uh, if you are able to bring a young, talented arm in there, I think that would potentially be an ideal situation. I mean, this year, there just weren't really any signal callers that were worth you guys truly investing in. You might as well just kind of keep uh, building the building the organization, building some depth, uh, because it just hadn't been there. And none of the signal callers coming out were really going to make an, make an impact. So it's at least worth finding out. Be interested to see how Goff kind of handles uh, this season as well. Um, I do think his uh, ceiling is going to be limited. But uh, I do think you guys should at least be uh, in that six, seven, eight win range as we get towards the end of the season. Um, I kind of want to revisit the win totals before we get out of here. But kind of speaking of depth and everything, I'm actually going to toss it back to you, Matt, uh, to talk a little bit about uh, the defense. And then uh, I think we'll toss it over to James to uh, discuss some of his tweets and, and some of his thoughts surrounding the preseason. He, hold, he who tweets holds the, uh, holds the power. <laughs> so. Uh, we'll toss over to him, but you guys were kind of bottom uh, three and pass rush w uh, win rate, bottom 10 and uh, a rush defense uh, run stop win rate as well. And obviously you got to build the depth on the interior line. 
you kind of shored up the edges, especially through Aiden Hutchinson, but it didn't seem like the interior was addressed. That's tough to build. That's something where you got to build long-term depth. What are your expectations there along the interior? Do you think it can be improved this season, or is it one of those where you just got to add talent in the future and hope it improves? I mean, it's it's six and one half dozen in the other for me. Like I want to be excited and other guys like Levi Anzarike and we have Michael Brockers there as well. So there's a good mix of veteran and young talent. Um, it's not the, the names on the, in the interior are not going to blow you away by any, you know, by any standard. Uh, they're young. They, you know, Levi last year was hurt. Only McNeil didn't get a lot of snaps. So clearly some depth issues there as well as linebackers. So up the middle and shoring that up is going to be I, one of the top priorities, you know, if not top priority moving forward, given given how well our secondary has progressed, you know, if if our secondary has another great year this year, um, then you know perhaps in the draft we can look more interior. Um, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a big big question mark for us this year, along with linebacker. Um, and if you know, God willing, Jared Goff has a great year, maybe we don't have to pursue a quarterback next year right away. Um, and maybe we can look at addressing the DT and the inside inside defense a little bit more. But um, a lot of young guys there, a lot of question marks, and they're hoping you just you just kind of praying and keeping your fingers crossed that they that they take the next step and they stay healthy in the process. So, James, I'll, I'll let you run with it. What are you kind of seeing uh, thus far in the preseason from the Lions defense? So, um, based off the one game, I am worried about what we ran into last year and that was the flags the penalties the mistakes um the blown calls the inexperience we have in late games uh when making a big play matters um and i'm worried about depth more important Mm -hmm. uh i was very adamant on twitter about going after Anthony Barr, especially for what he signed to your Cowboys. <laughs> um, and I mean, again, just for what he took, again, he may have had no interest in the Lions, but I would have loved to hear at least to a point that said the Lions tried to go after Anthony Barr. Um, we loved him, I think, three years ago. Yes, that was with a different uh, group of coaches. Um, and even Kwan Alexander, that just actually signed with the Jets. I was looking at that too. I mean, that could have been another depth piece that you know we could have got for a few pennies. We still have roughly nine point four million dollars to spend, and um, I, I get that we're probably letting some cut training camp people fall on our lap, which is good. But um, mm-hmm. I, I like experience at the end of the day, and I'm I'm very um, concerned about our linebacking core because it's been a problem. It's been something that we've never had or really addressed ever. And uh, we sort of just accept that we're bottom of the barrel for that position every single year. And then our best guy gets hurt and we are just, you know, thin as, you know, thin as anything. So we're essentially, you know, just fighting for practice squad players. And I love the next guy up concept, but um, it, it doesn't work when it begins in September and we just have to fail. So, I mean, I have, I have a lot of concerns. There's obviously still a lot of time. Um, I want to see these guys grow and develop. I think we took some really good shots at some people here and, uh, you know, we, we owe them some time on the field to get reps and, and prove themselves. But um, 
again, I just know how our team has has been over the years, and it's it's one key injury away from really you know, breaking this defense up. And I know you mentioned the lack of depth that we have just overall in the defense. And I think at least one thing that we were able to see last year was the next guy step up, especially in the secondary, it seems. Like Akuda going down, it seemed like everyone in the secondary suffered at least a four- to six-week injury, if not the entire season, ACL, Achilles, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And not every time, but a lot of the time, it seemed like the next guy, whether it was practice squad or second string, third string, was able to step up. So I want to see if that's just a flash in the pan, a few week type of thing, or if we're really developing these guys from the start once they get into the facility and they can be an impact player as soon as they step on the field. Um, so if we can only do that, say, with the cornerback specifically, then maybe we'll be a little bit deep there. If we can do it you know, top to bottom on our defense, then I think we'll be in a pretty good position. I think we definitely lack the superstar caliber type of player on our defense. Hopefully Hutchinson can be that type of guy. Um, but I'm curious to see if we can actually develop that depth uh, over the course of the season. And if not, then I think we might have some uh, issues on our hands. So as we look towards uh, this season in terms of your projected win total, I, I like to use those just kind of glean a little bit of insight in terms of how uh, the market kind of evaluates your team. Currently projected for about six and a half wins. I think that's pretty reasonable um, based off the season you're coming off of. You do have the fifth easiest schedule this year. Um, right now you're projected to finish last in the division just behind uh, the Bears, although it's kind of like they kind of have you guys tied for last in in some projections. I actually think the Bears are the worst team in that division, and I don't really know that. I think the Bears may have a young, talented quarterback. I love Justin Fields, but I would hate to uh, drop back behind that line if I was him. I, I don't know if he'll make it uh, through through the season sometimes. I don't think the Bears are uh, the third best team in that division. I do think they're the worst team. The Vikings, I think they're better, but I don't think it's that big of a gap. I think the Packers still are – um uh, the runaway with that division but when I look at that division I mean I and, and your schedule this year being lighter than last year the improvements um and some of the additions that we've talked about here I mean I think it's reasonable to expect you guys to get at minimum to that five six win mark and potentially push up towards eight wins like if you guys are at moments in November and early December competitive in the wild card race I know everyone wants has Super Bowl hopes and and everything but sometimes it's I think that's a huge win and a huge step forward I mean kind of what are your guys' thoughts on your outlook your reasonable expectations for this season and what would you consider a win at the end of the day seven wins Honestly, like if I'm being realistic, mm-hmm. it, like it, without getting our hopes up too high, I, a seven-win season for me, I, I'd be I'd be ecstatic. Truthfully, I would be. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a step up. I mean, we we've been we've been bad for so long. If we wait another year to be really good, what's one more year of waiting for me? Yeah, I take seven years and a lot of player growth and good performances out of positions that are giant question marks, and then take a big step up two three years from now, and a seven-win Lions team with a lot of promise going into next year would be uh, would, some, would be something that I think all Lion fans would, would, would yeah. be happy with. So uh, I'm looking to get seven. We can get more than that. Great. But that's the number we're looking, that I'm looking to target is seven. Yeah. And the, ske- the schedule lineup is everything. It, it really is. Your bye week is so important just to mm-hmm. get over that hump of, you know, there's, there's day-to-day or week-to-week injuries. I actually love our, our bye week. It's like during Columbus weekends um we have some challenging matchups to start the year but i think we are put into a very 
good position to maybe come out with some wins with you know the Commanders and the, uh, the Seahawks. I think the Eagles, unfortunately, you know, should take that opening game. Um, Vikings have been a team that we would go very hard against them, and we split sometimes. I, I would say more than getting swept. Um, but again, talking about you know order of matchups, there's a stretch that starts after the Packers game in November, um, week ten, all the way essentially to the last game of the year, which I won't complain about, but it's in Green Bay because um, it always happens. And if you take that Bills game out out of Thanksgiving, which <laughs> it's going to be a rough one, um, <laughs> that is a strip of games that are really, really, really favorable for us. Not saying we're going to be the favorite for them, but just to, to run it down, Bears, Giants, we're going to skip the Bills because they're going to definitely beat us up. Jaguars, home Vikings, Jets, Panthers, Bears. Mm-hmm. There's not one team there where, well, except the, the Bills, where I'm like, no shot. Mm-hmm. No shot. And that's seven games right there. And again, I think just it, it comes at the right time where if you can get everything in rhythm, if you stay out of the off injury um, list, that is a very, very good time to get hot for in the NFL and to sort of catch fire, get a little wind streak in, 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 you know, their veins and, you know, we'll see. So, I mean, that's a huge run for us to hopefully make it back in season. And, you know, I'm excited to actually get to that part of the season already just because of uh, the opportunities we have. But I agree with Matt though. I think like seven is an absolute like positive, mm-hmm. like look at that. Once the season's over, like reflection, like settings wouldn't would be a, a huge win for us. Yeah, I, I would say if we have anything less than five, it'd be a little concerning to take only a step up of one game compared to mm-hmm. last season with all the additions we've made, uh, like year two in an offense and defense for the players. Um, so I think five is the minimum that I would like to see, barring any you know injuries or anything crazy like that. Um, I wouldn't expect anything more than eight. So like seven, I think is right on the money. That's what I would hope for. Um, I, I think my wishful thinking goal is with the expanded wild card, just seeing the Lions logo in that last in the hunt graphic in like early December as like the eighth team down that's not in the playoffs. I, I think that's what I'm hoping for. But I, I think seven's a good number right now. And then and anything more than that is just better for us, a little more enjoyable to watch for the season. It's gonna it's gonna come down to those early games of the season, like against New England, against Washington, like those coin flip games. If we can steal one or two of those, we're gonna be it's gonna get really interesting at the end of the year, like James said, when we have that really manageable stretch of games where we can win a bulk of those. So the, the first five weeks of the season are for you know, just for our long-term hopes is gonna be it's gonna be really important. Yeah, I agree. I look at that and I I see two that are definitely winnable. Um I, I could see two and three going into the break. I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, yeah. You look at really, I don't think any of those are uh, too far fetched because you're kicking it off with, you know, you got Philly, Washington, Minnesota, Seattle, New England. I would say Philly and New England are the two I definitely expect um, right. you guys to lose, but it's not, it's not like you're playing the Bills or Chiefs or something in that game, to be honest. But I do think two and three going into the break is at least a reasonable expectation. You got a tough stretch there afterwards. But then, like you said, you got uh, seven of eight games right there that 
you will be a toss up because of the opponent you're playing. So I do think, like you guys said, seven wins is a, a good, solid projection. That would be a massive leap forward for the franchise as you guys head into the offseason. But it would actually allow you to evaluate a lot of these players. A lot of these guys on these uh, one and two year contracts a lot, allow these young draft picks to develop and, and let you find out a little bit more about Jared Goff. But, um, you know, honestly, guys, I appreciate you guys jumping on here. This is this has been a lot of fun. You guys are always a blast. I know last year we kicked it off and introduced you guys. It was uh, it was a good time. It's It's been great having you back on here. You guys are you guys go around the horn so well. It's, it's like it's like so easy. So if you guys, you guys like that smooth transitions, go check them out. Line up pod. You can find them at line up pod on Twitter and obviously on the website, rosteropmedia.com slash lion up uh, James, Matt, Andrew, I appreciate you fellas jumping on and everyone else. Stay tuned for more from these guys and more from the around the league podcast and hard right. knocks tonight, hard knocks tonight. You guys, you guys staying up. Yeah, yeah we're, we're staying up and we'll be up. tomorrow night. So staying up on, staying up on a school night. The fans got a pod tomorrow. We got a pod tomorrow to cover it, so we got to oh, get it going. The fans are craving two episodes this week, so we got to get to them. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> Hard knocks is a good time, so I look forward to listening. You guys check that out. Check out some of their offseason podcasts, and uh, stay tuned for more. Thank you so much, fellas, for jumping on. Bye, everybody. All right, line up. <laughs>